we at Around Grandfather Fire would like to express our solidarity for Black Lives Matter. We stand with you and every marginalized group that's seeking justice. Imagine yourself under a starry sky around the warm glow of the sacred fire as your hosts Saren Odinson, Jim Two Snakes, and Caitlin Stormbreaker talk about shamanism, animism, books, science, psychology, pop culture, and more. Welcome to a show inspired by those late night conversations by real life spiritual practitioners. Won't you come and join us around Grandfather Fire? Seer, hail to the Volva, hail to the Seth Kona, hail to the Sparkona, hail to the Seer, hail to the Githia, hail to the Priestesses, hail to the Holy Ones whose names are beyond counting, hail to the Holy Ones who hold the line, hail to the Blessed Ones who see the path, hail to the sweet ones who bring healing and comfort. Hail to the strong ones who defend and fight. Hail to the blessed ones that bring the word of the gods. Hail to the holy ones who hallow the places. Hail to the blessed ones who speak with the ancestors. Hail to the blessed ones who speak with the land spirits. Hail to the Holy Ones. Hail to all of our mothers, all of our grandmothers, all of the ancient ones whose names we no longer know, but who hold our lines. Hail to all of you ancient ones. Thank you for your guidance and thank you for your patience. Thank you for your blessings and thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your strength and thank you for your power. Thank you. Oh, holy ones, hail to you all. Let's do all. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Around Grandfather Fire. You're listening to episode number 59. I am Jim Two Snakes, joined, as always, by my good friends and co-hosts, Saren Thunson and Caitlin Stormbreaker. How are you both doing tonight? I am doing well, thank you. I am uh, keeping busy on my little vacation here. <laughs> I've been spending quite a lot of time over at Crossing Hedgerows and nice. worked there yesterday and got a lot done. So if you want to see that, come check my Instagram out because I got pictures and a video of the chickens. Yeah, awesome. I'm, I'm chickens. actually, I'm really bummed. I miss that every week that I end up missing it. It's like a part of me is just like yearning to get there. Um, and if I had had time today, I was probably going to send uh, Gina a text and be like, can I come sit in your woods, please? Because I want to be there. You don't have to send her a text. You can just show up. It's. I know. It's polite. I know. It is, it is their land. I know I'm a, a keeper, partial keeper of it, but it is their private home. So 
it's just polite to ask. I gotcha. Um, I've been, I've been, I've had a few days. Um, without yeah. going into mm-hmm. great detail, it's been, it's been a rough one. Um, but today I picked up. I was trying to uh, harness restraint in a comic book store and then again later in a bookstore, which I failed miserably. (laughs) Um, I picked up Neil Gaiman's issue one and issue two of his Norse mythology comic books that he has out. Um, I have yet. Not issue one. I have not read it yet. I have not either. So I'm kind of excited about that one. And then somebody recommended, I think it's called the sixth gun. Um, They said it was a very good series. Um, So I picked up the first uh, edition of that. And then of course, a Witcher novel, Dresden novel, and then um, like a, biography of a group of nerdy ass voice actors that i follow that's actually very interesting nice now did you did you get the new dresden file or the two new dresden files actually i take that back i was not able to get because i i'm still i'm way far back i think i'm on okay yeah i'm i think i i need blood rights is the one that i'm going to be reading next Um, i was unable to pick that one up because it was unavailable. So I ended up getting The Road by Cormac. I think his name is Cormac. Oh, yeah, I hear that one's rough. Yeah, they made a movie about it, and I haven't seen the movie. So I was like, well, I'll read the book, and then I'll see about watching the movie. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of been my day today. Awesome. Sounds like a pretty good one, actually. So how about you, Jim? Yeah. Not too bad. Um, uh, once I got out of retail hell, I ended up coming home for a while. I've been hanging out with the family, and I posted up a video to my Patreon, or Patreon, my personal one, jimtwosnakes.net. Um, it is detailing the Mesa bundle that I had in my position, uh, possession for many years. It's the story oh. of how Mateo received it, how it was passed on to me and keeping it and then now it's returning to heart walk foundation it is in utah with ceremony being done with it and it's in route assuming that the entire world doesn't close down again to (laughs) south america it'll be down there for their it's you know our winter so it'll be their summer so it's on its way I, I don't mean this in any negative sense at all um in fact it's quite fitting that his journey home has been so segmented and jointed and kind of tumulus given (laughs) his journey here and how Mateo came across it and everything. So I'm, I'm excited for that Mesa to finally be home. Yeah. I'm excited as well. I'm excited as well. So, and although it is on my Patreon, that is a free uh, post. So the details are there, jimtuesdakes.net. And it's also on my, on my YouTube page, at least the video that I made today. So that's on there. But I feel like we could talk a little bit more about our Patreons and stuff, but if you guys don't mind, why don't yeah, we do that towards started. the tail end of the show this this week and welcome our amazing guest. Yeah. So welcome. joining us this week, we have June Ahern, who is a paranormal investigator, author, a metaphysical teacher, and we're really excited to have you on the show. June, welcome to Around Grandfather Fire. 
Thank you. I, I oh. have to admit, um, knowing that you're a paranormal investigator, we watch a lot of those uh, videos on YouTube. And back when we used to have cable, we used to watch it too. And I just admire the level of tenacity that investigators have of darting forward into the room in which they saw the shadow peer out of. I, I was like, <laughs> right. I would be running the other direction. <laughs> like, nope, nope, that's a big nope for me. I'm out. How? So I'm personally curious about not only how did you get into that area, but how do you respond to that sort of thing? Are you one of the ones that chase after them or do you kind of take pause and reach out and say, I'm not harmful, you know, come talk to me? No, they come talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> and if they're not very nice, they run away. And then I go after and say, okay, what's up here? Uh, how did I get into it? Well, you know, uh, I got into it from a phone call from a young woman and she asked if I wanted to join this paranormal investigation group. Uh, and uh, I said, where, where are we going? And she said, well, let's do the, Zo we're going to do the Zodiacs uh, circle. And I said, no oh, way. Wow. I don't go for that kind of stuff. <laughs> That's bad juju. I'm not going there. And then she said, well, how about uh, if I find another place? I said, well, ask me. And so she found the Condor club. Uh, down on Broadway in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. You know, the strip joint is pretty impressive. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and I always wanted to go there, but in my era, nice girls didn't go to things like that. No. Uh, I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's really not, uh, it's really not a um, dark shadows in a room. Uh, usually I encounter uh, spirits that are lingering around. You know, so we kind of went from there and, and just, you know, when she asked me, I asked where, and then I either agreed or didn't. I, I think some of these paranormal shows to me are a turnoff because they all act like, bah! and I think, well, why are you, doing it then? you know, if you're that afraid, why are you doing it? Because you shouldn't be that afraid. You know, if you're a medium and you're seasoned, you should be able to handle it. Uh, but yeah. I have been in some places. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm always kind of blown away by the fact that a lot of these investigators are not of the spiritual mindset or don't get into the spiritual mindset until further along their path. And finally, they're like, oh, maybe I should have like some sort of energetic protection on me when I walk into a known <laughs> place that is housing a demon you know that's a great idea um, <laughs> that's a great point i just oh, you don't need that yesterday. yeah yeah but you yeah i don't know why they they don't i do protection before i go to any place even before when i used to do readings uh i didn't do protection but i did a blessing around myself before mm -hmm. i did any readings yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, you're an accomplished author, you're a paranormal investigator, you're a psychic medium. I mean, you've got a very colorful, um, what is it called? Portfolio. So tell us a little bit about you and how you, you got to where you are. Well, I'm a double Gemini. So I have to satisfy <laughs> all personalities. One wants to do that. One wants this. It's like when I first saw that movie, Sybil and, uh, and all these personalities, first thing I said was, so what? <laughs> anyway, uh, I had a near-death experience, and I think there are a lot of uh, people that use their psychic abilities uh, will talk about their near-death experience. Mm -hmm. So I had a, uh, like a near-fatal car accident, 
And after that, I began to, you know, I have to say, I, I am a child of the 60s living in San Francisco. So I was a product of my environment also. Mm-hmm. And um, so I already started a conscious uh, expansion. However you take that. <laughs> <laughs> or however you took it, depending yeah. on how we <laughs> live. <laughs> <in these things. laughs> I, was, I explored the unknown. and Understood. Yeah. And so after that, uh, I began to know things about people without having any prior knowledge. And then I had the spirit show up and, you know, it wasn't really cool. I mean, I was, uh, it was upsetting. You know, we're talking about back in the early seventies, people didn't come out like nowadays. They were, if you had a show like this, then you were a nut. I mean, <laughs> well, we still are. Or yeah, you was, say we're not show. far from yeah. that already, but. <laughs> well, you're not nutty. Now we're, now we're common. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, 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 what the earliest uh, sort of show like this would have been uh, Coast to Coast on the AM channels. Right. Ah, right. yeah, that, that, but that didn't come till later, didn't that? Well, come much later. The 80s or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, we had One Step Beyond and Twilight Zone. No, we had the, those shows. Anyway, so that's, uh, I just started looking into it and seeing what it was all about and never advertised for readings. Uh, people told other people, and I was busy all the time. I, I ended up working on a couple of murder cases with uh, the law enforcement. Oh, wow. Uh, not because I wanted to, but because mm-hmm. it just relatives came to me, and, and the information I gave was pretty accurate. And uh, so that's how it, it happened. It just kind of kept, it kept happening. Mm-hmm. And I just followed the path. There it was. That's amazing. That's that, amazing. That is amazing. That's it's truly like spirits we're coming to and it's like unfortunately you have this gift uh do with it what you will and you're just like okay I guess we're going this way then yeah show me yeah show me I did a lot of that uh you know I I became a mother a single parent I had a house to take care of and um I used to say, well, you better send me some more people or something because I got to get a job here. I got to get a regular job. Yeah, I got to do something. I can't live off of, you know, peanuts and dust bunnies. That's about it. I had to decide one time between the telephone service or or the gas service. I picked the telephone. Uh, I've had days where I had to pick between eating or paying my rent. And, well, I paid my rent, so. I hear you. Yep, yep. I think we've been there. Mm-hmm. So out of all your um, paranormal investigations, what, I guess, what was the most profound and meaningful one that you can recall? Oh, what was, question. which one had the most impact on you as an individual? Uh, wow. You know, so beautiful. Uh, so beautiful. I would hear from people afterwards that were told me they were so depressed. I mean, a few people said, surprised to me I didn't know that they were going to thought about committing suicide and my the reading allowed them an opportunity to see that they had uh, alternatives and the, all of that really meant a lot to me I, I think though a couple of the most profound was working on a murder case of a young woman that had come to me for a reading and um, full of hope and aspirations and 
And uh, I knew her sister-in-law had been a client of mine. And then when she was murdered, I got involved in that case. And it, it really did haunt me. I, I think I can't think of another word. It really did haunt me for quite a while because it took a while for, for the uh, detectives to actually. So they came to me and they took me on a, a drive around. Uh, and I knew things that it, both they didn't know and things that they told no one not even the family. I was uh, confirming and validating things to them, information to them, and also giving them more information to, to look for clues, to look for evidence. And that case seemed to follow me for a long time in my life. Um, my son ended up going to school with her son, really, and this is wow. parochial school. Her son ended up in, uh, in my, my son's school. And there's a person, a producer uh, that's doing a film uh, kind of loosely based on that, based on my uh, that murder case. Mm -hmm. So that one uh, her and her name, I don't want to say her name because of the film comes out or something. Of but um, yep. she's been with me for many years. And that was about 1984. Wow. wow. And she's been with me for many years and, and have developed a relationship with her both in, before then in spirit. Yes, it seems like you made a very strong spiritual ally, and that's that's incredible. Thank you for your work that you did for her. Yeah, she was a beautiful, beautiful, physically beautiful woman, young woman. And uh, so that was one. And then I worked in another case, and that one was very difficult uh, because the information that we had did never did come to light. And then years later, uh, through DNA, they were able to find somebody. Uh, one of my most uh, profound experiences was in Jamaica. Mm. Oh, really? So I went to Jamaica as an invitation from Jamaicans uh, to come down there to do readings and talk to people, you know, the groups of people. They commissioned me, you know. And I went down there and they wanted me to go to a house, a, 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 a very nice, handsome, at that time, older man, you know, when you're a certain mm -hmm. age, everybody at a certain age is so much older. Yeah. And, uh, and he was a doctor, uh, physician, and he said his wife was being, uh, you know, the, being attacked by entities. Well, I had never worked in that field before. You know, I had worked with spirits and communication. I've done seances, but I've never worked with entities and didn't want to. And I, I knew that you could get into stuff like that. And after working on those murder cases and actually being there and being murdered, I mean, I, I was part of it in the mm -hmm. spiritual sense and the physical, you know, I felt what was going on. Um, so I didn't want any part of it, but I did go because he was so nice and so charming. I kind of fall for charming men, handsome men. Mm, so I, it's kind of hard to say no. Yeah. And, and, you know, the Jamaican people, uh, you know, I, I'm a little traditional. I do like uh, per, respectful ways of speaking with people. Mm. And uh, people were so respectful there to me. And so I went to his house and I thought, now this is July in, in Jamaica. And it's hot as, you know. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's hot oh, as... You feel free to cuss. This is a, a, a an appropriately rated show. <laughs> Why well, is it regular radio at times that I have what, seven words uh, to say? Yeah, yeah. No, you're totally free, free and scot free. Go ahead. So I, I went to the house, uh, 
I have to tell you, I'm, a, I'm a, somewhat of a skeptical psychic. Uh, I'm kind of like, aha, uh-huh, aha, uh-huh, that's Those nice. Are the best kinds. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I like really I do like evidence. I, I like research, and that's one thing of working with the Haunted Bay is that I said to the producer, "You need to research what I'm saying. I don't want th- something just out there like anybody could say that." Mm-hmm. So I did go to the house, <laughs> thinking like, "Well, I'll appease this man." And when I walked in there, the vibration. Oh, man, it was like walking into a, uh, remember when people used to smoke and it was so smoky you couldn't see yes. a dark thing? Yep. yep. Back in the olden days where everybody smoked, you know, and uh, I walked in and I went over to a room off of the kitchen. I'd never been there. I just walked and I said, in here. And I opened the door and it was like walking into a, 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 a meat locker. It was so frozen, so freezing. And the, sm- and the smell was like garbage, stenching, and oh, it was horrible. I mean, I almost fainted. And uh, I like to pride myself that I'm a pretty strong warrior. <laughs> and I don't like to act, you know, I don't like that kind of act stuff where people go, oh. Yeah. yeah. I almost fainted. And it was freezing cold. And when I came out of there and smell, I didn't want to do it again. He says, I want you to come and meet my wife, though. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and so I went into the room and she was under mountains of blankets. And when I walked into the room, now, if this didn't happen to me, I would probably look at somebody and go, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. nice. I got attacked. <laughs> you got attacked? I got attacked. Oh, man. I got attacked, I got slapped, I got pinched, I got pushed. And if it didn't happen to me, I swear to God, I I, I couldn't believe what happened. Yeah. And I'm being attacked and the woman is in bed. And this is what her husband had told me, that they were scratching and beating his wife up. And I went over to her and I sat on the bread. And by now I'm, I'm crying, she's crying. And... Um, I said, I, I, I'll do the best I, I can. I, I, and I screamed at them, stop it. You know, let us go. And you can tell, I mean, there you can. Oh, yeah. tell and they will hopefully pay attention. Anyway, I did the best I could. Um, I was not equipped for that. And when I left, the only thing I could say is you need to leave this property. You know, yeah. it's in the property. And I think that what they had is when the British were there, uh, this property was, uh, when they brought the, the slaves over from Africa, this mm. property was a burial site. Like they dumped the bodies. Ooh. Wow. And, uh, oh. you know, I left, I came back to the States and it was really a trip. I mean, they knew I was there. I went down to a place called, I think it's called Jamestown. And it's a plot. Of, get out of here. I, I, I have Pence's fly hair with me. wrong room go find him and uh i went to a place where white people did not even the police didn't go in here but i was invited there uh you know it's called pukamania you know we think of santeria or voodism and their religion is pukamania Mm -hmm. and i went there and because of an invitation and they knew i was coming the um the women are like bishops in, the, in that religion, and they're beautifully dressed. I mean, impeccably clean and bright and beautiful. And you're sitting on these little benches in this uneven dirt uh, chapel. And they got candles, and everybody's looking in. Uh, it, it was an incredible experience. And beautiful people. 
mm-hmm. sincere, magical, wow. magical people. They wanted me to get up and speak. And I was just like, what could I say? <laughs> me? me? Um, Are you sure? <laughs> me? For Jamaica was really something. Jamaica just stayed with me. I never experienced any, never even thought I would experience anything out. When we left, uh, this this uh, chakra over here is from a white artist that lived down there for many years, but she had a lot of uh, black Jamaican uh, people in her in her community. She's an artist, Mary McDonald. Uh, she's transitioned, you know, since I've been there. And we went there. There were about four of us, and we had to take off all our jewelry, take no nothing, because you were going to be robbed. <laughs> like I said, the police didn't even go in there, yeah. and. Uh, when we left, the the mothers, the bishop, the mothers, they walked in front of the car and they walked all around us, like the priests, the younger priests, uh, males, they walked wow. all around us to protect us to leave. So that was really something. Going down to wow. Jamaica was, was an incredible National Geographic experience. Wow. Yeah, Excuse you, me, I didn't mean to laugh at you. It was just the the way you you put it. If somebody had had told me this story, I would have gone, uh huh. Like, and I've been there on the other side of those right, kinds of stories. Exactly. Yeah, I um, laugh at a lot of it. Uh, I just got a message yesterday from a woman that had been murdered. Uh, her husband beat her to death, an abused woman, and uh, I became involved many years ago with uh, the people. Uh, Native American uh, people, they call them Indians, and we don't like that. They don't like it, so I don't like it either. And um, anyway, uh, and a spirit came to me yesterday of this young murdered woman. So I had to call her friend to give it. And I'm like, I got to give you this information. And I said, are you on your way to a sweat? She said, well, we're talking about doing that. So I gave her the information. So the spirit's just kind of drifting and out of my that's life. a lot of my experience right now too is that a lot of cross currents are working right now between different communities like whoever happens to be near the phone yeah. <laughs> that, that's a good analogy Sarah. whoever happens to be nearest the phone like whatever psychic medium happens to be nearest the spirit phone at that moment they're just like hey you person exactly thank you yeah that's true so that's it. You know, I just go along for the ride. Now that I'm pretty much retired, I just go along for the ride and see what people want to invite me to do. And if I like it, I do it. If I don't, I won't. That's that's the greatest attitude in life to have. I 100% hope to someday get to that point of... You will. And I'm old. I'm in my 70s. So <laughs> I do what I want. Yeah, as you should. <laughs> as I should. I I was actually thinking about that today, about how like our society in particular, and I don't know how it is all across the world, um, but a lot of people are afraid of getting old, but I look forward to the freedom of it because you can be like, I look forward to be the crazy old lady down the road that has all the weird shit in her yard and is out screaming at the moon at two o'clock in the morning. You know, I'm excited for those moments. Why wait? If I do it now, they're going to lock me up. I'm 33 years old, Saren. They're going to think I'm fucking nuts. But when I hit my 70s, 80s... Establish yourself like, young. Establish yourself as a right, right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm with June on this one. <laughs> I, I, I'm there. I'm there. Because you guys know, like... If it's if you if you wait until you're older, Galen, it's going to be way too sudden. They're they're, they're going to think there's an issue. Oh, but no, if they look at you like you know, 
my pattern, you know, you, my kids always talk about me just wandering off places. By the time I get old, they won't even question it anymore. They, yeah, he'll show back up eventually. We don't know. Yeah, he'll find his way back. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, I, I plan on like subtly integrating it here and there, you know, where I just start doing weird shit. And then one day I'm just like, out in my front yard. <laughs> hey, you know, like establish that early. You'll be all right. June, I've got a, a kind of a follow-up question there a little bit, because as you've gone through this process, and I, I know one of your books is How to Talk with the Spirits, which is, which is awesome, but I want to ask you personally, how did you start building that confidence that you were hearing the correct messages and that you were receiving the correct information? Because that's, that's a big question a lot of people have. They're getting information, but they don't know how to vet it or how to believe in it or how to be skeptical of it even. Yeah, that's uh, actually that is a very truthful uh, observation of you know how how do you know? And it took many years for me to. Uh, that's why I do like um, some kind of confirmation. Like, am I on the right track here? Am I you know just crazy, or am I actually picking stuff up? Or and um, it takes. You know, I, I think you should study and you should be educated, and you can. Uh, look at different kinds of ways from different cultures and societies. And uh, you just building confidence in anything you do takes experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I mean, I would feel at times if I were, somebody put it to me really easy. Uh, I I started to depend on people coming for readings for an income. You know, like I said, as a single parent and I was working all these weird odd jobs. I belonged to a, a a blue collar union and stuff. I love that one. I love that job. But um, You know, I I said, well, what if people don't come? And he said, well, let's put it this way. They come the first time and they pay you and they just don't come back. Or they come back because you're good. Either way, you know, you're working. And that began to change my mind. I began to think, oh, because I am sincere. You know, I'm very sincere. I say to people, I'm going to give you some information in the beginning. If it seems like it's for you, we'll continue. Otherwise, you're not obligated. I'm not obligated to you, and you're not obligated to me financially, emotionally, anything. And that's how I began to build my confidence with saying, I'm right on. I mean, I would say things to people that they'd say, well, nobody knows that about me. You know, Mm -hmm. so it takes time. It takes experience uh, to feel that uh, sassy. Now I'm sassy about it. It's like, oh, that's not true. I go, okay, whatever, we're done here. You know, uh, it does, it takes time. Practice, 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 right? And I, 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 I do like that you come at it from a skeptical standpoint as well with your investigations, because I think that's the the other element that's left out a lot of times when people are learning and also even when they've been doing it for a long time is the, you know, you build that confidence, but you build it by really examining and looking for those confirmations and looking at the information as objectively as you possibly can. And that's how you build that confidence level. And you have to, um, you know, when I was, when I was teaching, I love to teach. As a matter of fact, that's why this COVID thing kind of worked for me. I thought, well, since I can't really go and do a lecture somewhere, I'm going to start sharing everything that I have. Uh, why not? I mean, you know, the, I have it and it's served me well. And when I would teach people, I would always say, I may not get what you're saying, but it doesn't mean there's not something there. Mm-hmm. And, and giving other people confidence not to hold back. 
don't hold back. If it's, if someone doesn't get it, well, they don't, you know, maybe they don't need it at that time, or maybe it has nothing to do with them. But the thing is the ability to communicate your psychic impressions and visions is important to feel that uh, you can say it without feeling someone is judging you. And, you know, when people come for readings, I mean, they are judging you. The minute they walk in that door, they're going to find out what they, how can I get, you know, how can I get, they're paying money. Yeah. And uh, you have to be confident enough to share it. So I think just sharing it and, and that's important. I have to say, it's really refreshing to hear somebody say, I wasn't prepped for this or some variation of this kicked my ass. You don't hear that from a lot of folks, whether they're a professional or not. Um, and that, to me, says a bit about you because um, I I look for that in people that I get readings from. I look for that in people that I, I ask for help because if you can't admit, hey, I've got faults, I didn't know how to do this, that, or the other, those those are huge ego traps. Yes. And it's very easy as you become more popular, uh, you know, uh, and, and that's, I'm so glad you brought it up because uh, I have to check my ego a lot. I mean, I'll say, all right, you ain't all that, <laughs> you know, and I think that you have to uh, spirit, it, it, be true to the spiritual path you're taking. And if, for any reason, I did it no more. Um, that's okay. I enjoy my grandkids. I'm enjoying life. You know, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. After a while, you have to be true to yourself. That's the most important thing. When you leave this planet, you got to say, "I did the best I could." Yeah, and you have to leave a memory that is appeasing and tasteful to those that you leave behind. Yeah. You know, you don't want to leave that sour taste in their mouth after you're gone. Oh boy, but I'm pretty outspoken. I probably have. <laughs> I mean, I'm not all Miss Nicey Nicey. Trust me. No, and that that's admirable because I enjoy blunt people. Like I don't like the floofy, flowery folks that dance around the truth. And if I, because I I have a human lie detector in my head, and usually when somebody's dancing around something, I'll blatantly look at them and be like get to the point and say what you're not saying, because I already know what it is. Just say it out loud. I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm not going to judge you. Just, just say it. Usually they do. And you see this like weird release on them that they feel so much better for actually saying what they wanted to say. And it's, it's such a waste of energy to beat around the bush. Just fucking be blunt. Yeah. Just gotta say it. I I do this to people. My (laughs) my clock is ticking. (laughs) But uh, some people you have to, for me, what I've learned is some people you, um, you have to be more sensitive. I had to learn the hard way. I was told over and over. And uh, sometimes you have to be a little more sensitive for the sensitive people. I think, I think sensitive to a point. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) I'm sure Jim can attest to this as well. Um, While being sensitive to people is empathetic in a way but also being a hard ass immovable force or a forceful force is very beneficial to those people you know sometimes people literally need to be dug up and rooted out of where they're at and planted somewhere else because they're not going to move on their own 
kicking the ass. Yeah, light a fire mm-hmm. under that bitch. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I always said that the people that came back for reading, I've had clients since 1975 when I first started. I actually have my first clients that stayed with me all these years. And I always said only the brave come back. <laughs> And, you know, it isn't all me. I mean, I'm, this is a lot of channeling through information from another source. So I can't say, well, it was just June saying that, you know, it just channels through and they're real direct. You know, when the guys start talking, they don't mince their words. They just say it. Yep. Well, there's there's this really funny thing about being dead to where your filter just kind of goes away and you suddenly <laughs> hear any more about human emotion. Like I have experienced that a few times and I'm like, wow, guys, calm down. And they're like, I don't fucking care. I'm dead. Translate if you must. That's funny. Yeah, I've had that experience with people's ancestors. It's like, are you sure that's how you want to sound to them? Because <laughs> sometimes you get that that ancestor who just really wants you to give them the old one, two. And it's like, okay, I can give them the one, two, or I can effectively communicate. Right. Right. You're, you're sitting there as the, the sensitive or psychic across the table going, telling the spirit, no, I, it, it is inappropriate for me to hit them with my shoe. I can't do that. <laughs> <It's> not- <laughs> I mean, when I, I- I hear all kinds of stuff on the other side. I go, okay, how am I going to say this? You know, because they're laughing and they're saying all kinds of stuff. Yep. Yep. Right. And you run into, uh, if you're like, uh, I have, and I, I think Caitlin and, and Sarah, this, I know Sarah has had this experience where you run <laughs> into these in-jokes in families. Like you're like, that seems really inappropriate, but you tell the client and they start laughing. Oh God, that's, that's something my grandmother used to do. And you're like, Oh, good. I'm so relieved because I was worried about saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea why I'm saying this really obscure phrase to you, but there you go. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, that's an in-joke. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And then you get the pause and they're like, how did you know that? And it's like. (laughs) Good question. They just told me to say it. You You came to me, uh, remember? June, this is actually a really good opportunity, I think, to flip uh the 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 subject matter just a little because one of your books um is that the the timeless counselor is an informational book for helping people to find the best psychic for them which is something that we haven't necessarily talked about on the show before do you have any tips or pointers for people that are looking for the right psychic or medium for them and what they should be doing what they should be looking for yeah uh i yeah i wrote that book used to be called a professional psychic reading as alternative counseling. That was my first book came out in 1990. Um, And people would come and they, to readers and they want a certain thing, you know, over a period of time, I would hope that readers, I mean, I transitioned over time where I could not just say, will, will I have love? Yes. What is his name? Where does he live? And what is his phone number? And uh, I was, you know, I did parties at the beginning and stuff. And I was getting, it didn't fulfill me. And so I realized that certain people want certain things from readers. Some people want to know about their uh, past life. Some people want to know about, uh, will they have money? Will they have a job? Will they? And I don't think there's anything wrong with asking those questions at all. 
uh, if that's what you want. Uh, some people want to be spiritually, they want information channeled through, you know, how do I uh, know I'm on the right path or how do I deepen my path like that? And you, the best way, of course, is always a referral. I mean, that's the best way to get uh, the kind, uh, you know, learn about a reader. And if you can't have that, because, you know, some people need to keep it quiet about going to readings. They're in certain locations um, and it, they can't speak about it openly. And if you can't find that, you find a, maybe a metaphysical store and find out about readers there. Do a little work. Back when it was just a telephone before internet, people would call and I would tell them how I worked because I just didn't want to deal with people coming that I would end up feeling resentful that I dealing with this person, mm. you know, like, Oh God, how long is this reading going to be? You know, and uh, that had happened to me. So uh, I, I told people how I work. So you want to have a reader that you could, now you have the internet so you can read about this reader and how they work. And what is their interest and what is their background? And I think that's really important to find out at least some of it. You know, I always say go to some psychic fairs if you're near there and you could test readers for, you know, maybe $10 or $15. Say you take, you test two different readers or you watch how people come away from the reader. Do they look happy? Do they look, you know, how are they? Um, and the, the book goes in a lot. It goes in a, a lot more also about how to ask questions to get the most. Just don't ask, will I be happy? Will I have love? I don't know. Will you? You know, it tells you how to ask questions. Um, how do I create love in my life? I think is a lot better. Right. <laughs> you know, oh, that's a great point. Love? Because because the question mm -hmm. of will I be happy? Well, yeah, because, you know, Next week, you're going to have a really amazing piece of cheesecake. And for that three seconds, oh, that's not what you're asking about. That's not the happy you're asking about. Okay, well, you didn't specify. So but people don't right. know what, yeah. what do they ask. What do, you know, what do I and I have people they come and say, oh, I don't know, you tell me. And I say, well, <laughs> oh, that's the most frustrating thing. Like, you came to me to ask questions. What the hell are you doing? I'm yeah. not going to give the questions to you. I, I think that is the hardest part about being the person on the other side of the table by being the reader <laughs> is dealing with the people who don't know how to ask questions or how to reframe questions. So often I'll find myself saying I'm not because my cards, I, I have a deck of Oracle cards that are very, uh, we'll say blunt for a nice word. Um, and they will not ask, they will not answer the question that is asked. They will give the answer that is most needed. And if I'm not getting any answer from them at all, then I either I do or the readee has to reframe the question. And depending on the person and how well I know them, I can sometimes do it for them or I put it on them and say, I need you to reframe or rethink this question. And that is like the hardest thing because they've always had their heart set on that one question mm -hmm. of, will I be happy? And it's so hard to break them out of that initial perspective. And you have to start kind of digging a little deeper and eventually you get down to the root of what their actual question is. Well, especially if their question isn't actually, if they want to know about their happiness, they actually like, because we, we couch so many terms under that handle yeah. that it, it acts like a, uh, I love this analogy, by the way. Thank you, Jim. The briefcase handle, you know, to carry other things with it. Um, 
a lot of times when people are asking me, you know, well, will I be happy? What they're actually asking me is some variation of will I be safe or will I have the ability to do something? Like what they're really asking for is something entirely unrelated to the actual question. It's, it's so as a reader, a lot of my work I find is breaking down. What do you mean by this question? Not, not even like having to um, particularly renegotiate the question. Sometimes it's like, what do you actually mean? Because you need to actually ask the spirits for what you're really asking, not, what society thinks you should be asking. I think that's at least some of the block in between readers and clients is that society expects people to ask these questions when they might not be relevant at all to you. Well, do you guys think that I feel like sometimes I become fond, even for self readings, sometimes, especially for self readings of writing the question down, because I experienced the, the mental slippery uh, where I, the question I start with isn't the one I actually ask when I sit down and then halfway through looking at the cards, then I'm going, what was that? How did I exactly phrase that? Mm-hmm. You know, and that kind of stuff can get, get you, down a wrong track really quickly yeah when i do self-readings i don't tend to ask a lot of questions i tend to just lay the cards out and see what they say it's safer for me that way so that way i'm not doing that hunting and pecking thing yeah i used to be really bad about that well i ask people to write their questions down uh i I ask them the night before write your question down a couple days before but the night before the morning of the reading go back over and see if those are really what you want to um you know find out about and uh, i i really and i always encourage people uh, i i used to have a little tape recorder you know and uh i i really believe that there should be a record of the reading for people yeah. to listen to uh six months and a year mm-hmm. i never encouraged anyone to come back for a reading i say wait a year and listen to this reading and in a year it's going to have a whole different meaning to you than it does when you're sitting right here yeah. And the first information that comes up in the reading is really what you are working with. And the rest are just things you want to know about. Yeah. Sorry, brother. From my perspective, that whole come back in a year thing is an extremely important sign of ethics that anybody that's listening to the show should pay attention to, because always be aware of those readers that are like, come see me next week and bring that yeah. credit card. Oh, no. Those are like, that yeah. should be the one of the biggest red flags. Absolutely. And any reader, I've had people come and say, I was at a reader and they said that I had to, you know, they could light a candle for $500. I said, we can buy a candle for a dollar or something. Jesus Christ, that candle better made out of gold. <laughs> or you know, I, I always say, what's that? You know, fool me once, uh, you know, but fool me right. twice, shame on me. If you're going to keep following somebody that's taking you. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm in the wrong when business. We the, when we had the the metaphysical shop, you guys saw that, where it's mm-hmm. like you need a cleansing candle. They're right over there. They're three ninety nine. I mean, come on, this is like, yeah, because you know, and I'll tell you how you need to use it, but that's it's that's on you. Oh my god, a five hundred dollar candle. But yes, I know there's people out there that are doing that and getting and getting away with it. So, so kind of leapfrogging off of this current conversation and kind of going into the bad client um, 
arena of being a reader, have you ever had to fire a client? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very seldom, very, very seldom, because I'm real upfront in the beginning. This is what I'm going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Uh, As I said, you know, the first five minutes or 10 minutes, no more than that. I'm going to give you information. If you feel it's for you, we'll continue. If you don't feel it's for you, nobody's obligated. I'm not obligated. You're, and if I can't get anything, I tell the person right off the bat, I'm not getting yeah. anything, which is seldom. But uh, yeah, a few people, there was a woman that came, uh, then she didn't want me to use the tarot cards. And I said, well, okay, you know, I, I, I could do, do that, but I happen to like the tarot. I, you know, I'm a lover of the tarot. What can I say? And then she called me uh, about a year or so later. I usually tell people, wait a year or two and come back. And she said she wanted a reading. I said, well, what do you want a reading for? You were so unhappy with the first reading, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know I, no, I don't. I, yes, I ha- I've had to fire people both for that and, and in my life, my coaching, my metaphysical coaching. I've said, I'm not the person for you. In other words, you're bugging me. Go away. You know, yeah. <laughs> or we- <laughs> I stood up, I've stood up and, and said, OK, you got to go. Uh, uh, and and uh, I I've just stood up and said, OK, get out of here. The reading's done. Yeah. So for all of our listeners, I really want you to re-listen to that statement because if anything is bugging you, just get up and go. Yeah. I mean, it's it really is that simple. I mean, I have over the last five years learned that about me and it's this, the give no fucks lesson. Seriously embrace it. And it is so wonderful and amazing. And I'm so glad that you do that for yourself because especially um, being a woman and being a woman in this industry is often very taxing because a lot of people look to us as major support systems. And sometimes you have to be that, that barrier and be like, no, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. You can sit on my doorstep for three fucking days, but I'm not giving you tea. They have done that. <laughs> That's terrifying. Yeah, people show up at my door. I heard your reader. I'm like, go away. Go away. <laughs> yes, this is my office. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, please. Yep. Please go away. Yeah, I think in life we all have to learn how to have um, you know, guidelines. This is how I live and this is what uh this is how I work and if you can't follow that, there's no really not a whole lot of reasons that we should be interacting. Yeah. That's a really good point. I want to I want to jump off of that if you don't mind. Go for it. So what about with the spirits? How do you set those guidelines with the spirits? Like, look, you assholes, I'm sleeping. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I used to do a lot of work with the dead, like a lot of work to the point where I actually had to put those boundaries down because I'd get dreams that had literally nothing to do with me. It'd be random spirits coming through. And I'm like, I can't sleep like this. That's enough of that. So how I'm, given the the length of years you've been doing this, how did you end up setting boundaries that other spirits would abide by? Well, just what you said, you know, okay. when I uh, interrupted my sleep, interrupted my, my, my boy. I mean, he was only like two and a half, three. And because I told them to stop and go away, they went into his room. Oh, and okay. Giving him uh, nightmares and stuff. And I just yep. got out of bed. I was pissed. At two in the morning, and I'm just like, get the fuck out of here. I had, you know, went and got my smudge stick. I was just cursing them. And so I, <laughs> I had to I learn. I said to myself, wow, I got to learn to just not be an open channel. Yep. 
Oh, you that's know? exactly where I was hoping you'd go with that. Cause, uh, yeah, they come and they just take off your blankets. They show up and sit on your bed and, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you kind of had to lay down the law as far as how hospitality goes for the spirits. And I'm, I'm really happy that you said that because that's something that a lot of, especially new spiritual practitioners mm-hmm. will fall into this trap of, well, the spirit said, okay, right. cool but you're the one in the flesh suit doing the communicating. It's not that you're powerless. They need you. But they, they can. Some of those ones that are really strong. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're like a haunting, you know, they want to haunt you. And, and I'm saying, no, and I'm very, uh, when I would do the investigations and I bless myself and I told the crew, you should bless yourself and everything. And some of them like, eh. We don't know if we really believe in this or not. I said, I'm not taking home an attachment. No. You know, I don't want, and I had my first attachment after I wrote that book, How to uh, Speak with Spirits. And I was on a big book tour. I was mm. going everywhere. Mm. And I had my first attachment and it was horrible. And uh, I, I was not blessing myself. I wasn't protecting myself because it was kind of one book event after another, you know, and um I tell them, you don't want attachment. You don't want to bring home an attachment. No. And they happen, you know, and uh, I have not had one like that. So you're telling me spiritual hygiene is a big thing. Oh, what? Got to bless yourself. Got to keep clean. You got to watch out. Don't get involved in uh, other people's stuff. Oh, come to my house. There's a man here. He's hanging and he's murderous and he's cussing at me. I'm like, well, you better call on somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) i'm not your priest (laughs) that's an important thing i mean there are people Mm. i think as we develop more and more people that have these skills and have these encounters as we've talked about that gives us a community where we're more likely to have specialists so Mm. someone like you might be really good at picking up and relaying information. But when it comes to going and taking a big nasty and evicting them, that's, that's Bob's job. Bob's that area specialist. We got to go, you know, it's like, we, we don't have to be all things, all people. I think that's an important point. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to say, um, I can't read your name. Sarenth? Yep. Sarenth. Yep. Um, you know, I'm really happy that you've been bringing your other two counterparts of who you are into one space. <laughs> you know, the last mm-hmm. two years, three years, you've really been integrating very in a very healthy way. And they are not so separate. I'm sorry. I, I, I know I, I'm not, <laughs> it just, it's there. And I, and I just have to mm-hmm. say it. So you have you have been a very strong three person, the Trinity. I understand that. each one is so strong. I mean, they're totally individuals. And you have really began to say, you know, I I live on planet Earth. I am am a physical being. And I cannot have the amount of strength in three different spaces. Mm. I, I, I hope that's okay that I... I, I can't, when you're talking, I'm looking at you going, oh my God. <laughs> no, it, it's okay. The, it's these true. two know what that's about. I, I get it. I get it. And I appreciate it's that. True. And it's it's very true. I've been doing a lot of work to that end. Good. And it's, yeah, it, that is thank definitely you. a confirmation. How's that? Yeah, that is a yeah. definitely confirmation for me. 
and I, I have to say, Sarenth, I have enjoyed watching that process kind of slowly unfold and seeing you grow not only as a person, but as a spiritual practitioner. It's, it's really rewarding for me as your friend and ally in this world to see you grow in that, that manner. So I, I'm just really proud of you. And I'll say one more thing, and that's all I'll say to you. <laughs> it's okay. I understand. You know, when it comes, you just want to share it. You yep, know? I You're understand. And that is um, the Tibetan bowl. Uh, the Tibetan bowls will uh, sing, sing for you, and then you can sing their, their truths, whatever that means oh. to you. Uh, okay. Okay. I think that I know what that sense. means. Yeah. I'm actually wondering. Okay, no, no come I mean, on, come on, Jim. It makes me makes me wonder. Makes me wonder what your what happens when you're galdering while playing a bold. Yep, that's, that's exactly that's where, where my mind it. went. All right, <laughs> uh, <laughs> because they they work off of vibration, and you yeah. have mm-hmm. such a baritone to your voice that I feel like the right bowl will resonate with that, and it'll sing with you. Yep, to the point where you don't even have to use the stick. Yeah, I got that. We I need to you. get him a big singing bowl. <laughs> <laughs> um, June, I, want, I also wanted to ask about when you're working with Haunted Bay. Um, I want you to give us a little bit of a insider's perspective because I've never done one of those paranormal investigations. And what's it like? What's the process like? How How... Do the producers approach you and tell you about the location? What kind of information do you get ahead of time? You just roll up and walk into a place. What's this whole process like behind the scenes? Okay. One thing I insist upon is um, when they ask me, they invite me to go. They have, a, you know, they did tell me about the uh, Zodiac, which I didn't like them, the Condor. And so uh, I, I ask, well, I have to know the location because I got to get there, right? <laughs> Drive there, put it on my little phone and find out where it is. But I don't want to know anything about the building. Uh, I don't even want the address right away. I get that later mm-hmm. uh, when I have to show up. Uh, I, I don't want to know what, uh, there's a, another paranormal investigators and they go in and they do the uh, sounds and lighting, you know, to catch sounds and all that. So there's two different things that go on. There's me, the medium, or another medium. I mean, you know, and then mm-hmm. this other uh, Alameda, it's called Alameda Paranormal Investigation. They, they do it in a different research. So what I do is I prepare myself for days. And the same thing I would do when I would do readings or whatever. I let things come to me. You know, what am I picking up? Uh, and then when I walk in the building, I often will go and say, I want to go upstairs. Or I want to go downstairs. Or I want to go to this certain area because I've already picked up that there is a spirit there. There's something mm-hmm. there for me. And so I do that in meditation and I find out what's going on. And I don't want anybody at that point confirming or not confirming. I just want to do my work. I want to pick up stuff. And then I might say things like, oh, I pick up that there was a, a young boy that was here and, and he died of pneumonia or something like that. And even though I'm saying, like, do you know, I'm going on and continuing. So the preparation is I don't want to know where we're going at first. I have to know where we're going because I'm driving there after the day of or usually the evening. And I don't want to know anything about who has, has anyone else investigating this? Does anybody else see something? As soon as somebody wants to give me that information or they try to give it to me, I stop them. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want to know anything because I think that anything you get gets into your mind. And yeah. somehow, even though you don't want to, you start filtering it through. And I, uh, I just w- want to give clearly what I'm picking up. Um, and that's how I do it. I, I really do prepare myself days, days before by opening up my psychic mind and being more of the observer. I'm going to look at it. And I even take that approach when I go in to uh, talk to the spirits that I'm observing them rather than interacting with them. Now, I've seen some mediums say, it's okay if you touch me or it's okay. Um, you can come over here and, and let me know things. And I'm like, oh, no, no, I'll be the one that decides what, what's going on here. And I definitely tell people, don't don't invite uh, spirits like that. You go into a haunting to come over and get into your being. That's scary. Anyway, so, yeah, I do preparation work. The people that are doing the investigation, the actual producer and uh, producer herself, not so much the sound people and stuff, um, she does some research. Uh, she finds places by, by going and, and asking if we can come and, and do an investigation there. Or somebody calls her. Um, but she won't give me any. I don't want the information and she won't give it to me. And she's yeah. asked me, do you want to know about this thing? And I've said, absolutely not. No. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about that because I always get the feeling like, the, you know, I'm sure the skeptical people, mm-hmm. they look at a show and they go, yeah, there was a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge, check this room out. Hey, you know, mm-hmm. and so I always kind of curious about behind the scenes what, what it's really like. It makes complete sense. Like uh, you, you need to know where you're going, but you don't need to know three weeks in advance so you can sit there and research on the internet <laughs> and find right. out what other people have encountered or what the history of a property is or something like yeah, that. And, I, so. and I've had people uh, make comments on the YouTube or, or even to my face until they say it to my face and they find out that I don't take it. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I've had people say, oh, she knows about that. Everybody knows that place. Well, I don't know that place. Why would I go and investigate if I have? So I guess I think everybody, and I write that in my book, Spirit, you should be have a healthy skepticism. Mm-hmm. You cannot investigate something if you just, just believe everything. You should have that uh, ability to, to want to judge, decide for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think it's healthy to be skeptical. Yeah. And for... I guess for the people that kind of shy away from the term skepticism, think of it more as a questioning mind. Be, be curious about it, but mm-hmm. don't 100% fully believe it because somebody's UPG is going to be totally different from yours. And you don't want to cheapen your spiritual practice by being that way. You know, you, you got to find your growth somewhere. And that's through being curious and asking questions and being a little bit skeptical. I think that's better put. You know, I'm a a Rosicrucian and we call ourselves the walking uh, question marks. We go through life, (laughs) you know, just because uh, they're teachings, just because they teach you, they say, well, don't believe it. Find out for yourself. Look, look for it yourself. And that's one Mm -hmm. of the reasons that I am a Rosicrucian is uh, that it's encouraged to think for yourself unlike other organizations. I I actually haven't heard that term before. Can you kind of elaborate a little bit on that for me? Yeah. uh, Rosicrucian is a metaphysical scientific way of living your life. Uh, They are not a religion. 
uh, I, I did hear there was some Christian Rosicrucians. You can be any religion you want. And, and, and many people are uh, have a religion. But once you start doing this and you're researching and you're reading about things, and so it's an, it's, uh, an ancient belief that goes back to Egypt. Mm-hmm. And it comes forward from there. So we are very attached to the cosmic energy. We, yeah. do, we do know that the cosmos has a great influence on us. Uh, and we read and research a lot about, well, you get into alchemy, mm-hmm. you know, as you go up in tiers, you know, kind of like the Masons, they have different tiers. They don't give you too much information to you actually walk the path. Right. You know, everybody wants to read a book on psychic. Everybody wants to be a reader and a psychic or a medium without actually doing the work. <laughs> Good luck with that. It's, it's worldwide. It's been around for, for uh, since like, um, well, since Egypt but more into Europe around the Rose Cross in rock uh, since about the 1700s. So it's, it's worldwide uh, belong to this fellow. Well, fellowship, they called it a brotherhood at one time, but I think they had to kind of change some of that because there's a lot of women that are in, in pretty uh, high positions in the resolutions. Awesome. Thank you for that. I I had not heard that before. So thank you for elaborating. Group. Uh, Sarence, oh, I believe you were going to say gonna something. something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I was just saying it's it's pretty cool, and uh, like uh, Victoria in the chat was saying, discernment is huge, and that's yeah. honestly that's one of our watchwords on this show is discern, 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 because yeah. spirits sometimes lie or they don't know the whole truth. It's not like you die and you become omniscient, right? Or it's your own sock puppets leading you down a false trail. You know, it's your own right. mind leading mm-hmm. you to where you think you need to go. Um, it's it's one of the reasons why I was happy that uh, you you mentioned about how you want to know as little as possible about the, the question at hand. And it's something that even if I'm reading for a friend, it's especially if I'm reading for a friend, I don't want to know as much information about whatever you're asking because hitting this blind Um, unless it's something that's in my wheelhouse, I don't need to know. And you probably don't want my bias in front of it. Yeah. You know, um, you know, if it's something like where somebody's saying, well, I need this information about this Norse God or something. That's, that's cool. That's in my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. But if it's a situation you're asking about, it's usually best if you leave me in the dark until you've asked the question and got the answer. And then we can go from there. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's the, I think that's the other side of discernment that, that some folks, um, don't see uh, something about uh, an episode from CSI kind of comes to mind where the psychic was talking about, well, green tea, does that mean anything to you? He's like, no. And uh, there's a shot, a uh, backup shot of the guy standing on top of uh, the tea for a, a green tea for uh, some kind of football uh, club or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the answer might be right in front of you and you won't recognize it until the answer is already in the rear view mirror. And that kind of discernment, too, of not just being open-minded, but also um, being focused in a way that accepts information to sort out data, if that makes sense. That makes like, a lot. Of, you make a lot of sense. Cool. I mean, you know what you're talking about mm-hmm. by experience and just by knowing. Right. Yeah. Well, Caitlin, you remember we did the uh, paper bag experiment where you we would put an object in a paper bag and then we would try to use our intuitive abilities to figure out what it is and what was always amazing to me was that 
everybody was always right, but in different ways. Yeah. Like some people, if it was a banana in there, some people might, you know, figure it had something to do with improve their health and other people might pick up the color yellow and other people might, you know, just, wow, I'm seeing a tropical region for some region. They were all right, but in different ways. So that's a lot of where discernment comes in is figuring out what language, because our minds are what are interpreting this information from spirit. Right. So we have to figure out what language they're using and what, you know, because to me, visuals, the visuals and that are, are kind of like the words of the spirit language. You know, they show me something and that's the word they're using. But if I don't understand the word the same way that they're using it, that's where we run into problems. So um, did we to bring that to a close? <laughs> I think that was a well-rounded closing mm -hmm. statement to that topic. I, I kind of yeah. wanted to go into your, uh, the different books that you've authored. Um, what inspired you to start writing? Um, uh, another, every book that was written was that somebody else suggested I do it. Uh, oh. <laughs> in, in true Gemini, the, my first question is how long will that take? <laughs> <laughs> And that's the well, truth. I, that's the truth. And uh, I the, know we've uh, taken. The first one was a, a friend of mine said, if you wrote a book, and this is the 80s, you know, we don't have internet. If you wrote a book, uh, people would take you more seriously. And right. so I said, well, I'll write a book about all the questions people ask me about a psychic reading. And you got to figure, you know, at that time, as I said, it was hard to interact. I was already teaching Tarot classes and ESP classes, and you had to run around all over. I was in San Francisco and pin up little things. I'm giving a class, <laughs> all the community <laughs> boards and everything. Uh, and so she said, well, write, write about that. And, and so it did take me about three. I had a lot of help, uh, you know, and, and I hand wrote this book. And my mother uh, edited it and, and looked at it. And, and that's how that one came to be. And then when I was in New York at the Whole Life Expo and I was um, giving a talk there, and then my book was the, uh, the most sold book from an unknown author. You know, at the bookstore said, wow, your book wow. sold out. And so That's my talk great. must have been okay, even though I drank coffee and I was like really nervous. <laughs> it was to me, it was terrible. And so the next book I wrote was a fictional book, uh, The Sky in June. And I wrote that the title was uh, Catholic Girls Make Good Witches was the original title. Because oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. My, my Christian friend said, June, you're really limiting your audience that way. <laughs> but and, it's true because it's like pagan light. <laughs> I thought it was a people great, who, people was a would buy title. that book just to have it on the bookshelf. If nothing else, for that fine make good out to <laughs> My, my uh, older sister wanted to have a coven, and she had been a staunch Catholic her whole... Yeah, I came from a very strong <laughs> Scottish Catholic household. We oh, were wow. not... Uh, you went to Mass Mother. I mean, we did Holy Days. We did uh, everything. Mm -hmm. We did the rosary <laughs> together, you know. And uh, my sister became disillusioned, and mm. she asked me, she said, "I, you know, I've been looking at... Um, uh, the goddess religion. And which, so I helped her put it together. We had a great coven uh, until her, her passing. Uh, and so I wrote this out of respect for them. I started writing this story and then it became a novel. Then my Christian friend who was already a writer uh, had some books out. She helped me. And then the uh, how to talk to spirits was really interesting. Then the second one came because I met this actress and, and um, 
Hollywood when I was down there doing a screenplay for my other book. Anyway, uh, so that, that City of Redemption. But the spirit book, I had a client friend. It's sometimes your clients, you know, you just love them. How could you not have them for friends? And he said to me, I had a dream, June. The angels came to me and, and said, you're to write this book about spirits. And I said, no. So we met <laughs> like this several times. And he said, every time you say no, I think you don't like me. I think you think I'm lying. And I went, no. There's something <laughs> out on spirit communication. Why should I even write another one? And, you know, writing a book and marketing, it, it's a job. Mm. It really is. It really is. It really is. And so I said, okay, I'm going to write a really small little ebook. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to send out a uh, announcement to everybody on my mailing list, but I want their questions. You know, what do you want to know? I know a lot. So what do you want to know? And that's how my book was formed. It was formed off of all the questions. And I got so many people given asking questions. Oh, I mean, I was amazed. Awesome. <laughs> They would pass it on to other people, and I was just uh, – so I try to condense the questions as best I could. The first part of the book, Chapter 1, is called The Curious Living. You know, what do you want to know? <laughs> now, I got all – what do you want to know? I already know it, so what do you want to know? Yeah. And uh, that's how my, my books came to be. And, and since then, my friend Chad, uh, who started this whole thing and, and about the spirit book, he's transitioned. He's, he's left this planet. And uh, – I guess he was right because so much has come. Uh, appreciation for this book has been very uh, immense, been very big. So that was his blessing to me. Wow. Well, June, I know we've, we've kind of taken up a lot of your time here. I want to make sure anybody that wants to find out more about your books, about your classes or anything else, they can go to your mm -hmm. website, which is juneahern.com. And I will also have a link for that in the show notes. And we really appreciate you joining us tonight. This is yes. a fantastic conversation. So it's not often a guest brings Sarenth to tears. So <laughs> I like Thank the panel. So I've never done this before. Awesome. Uh, love to you back. You have, yes, you have been a <laughs> wonderful, refreshing individual to talk to, and I greatly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Good night. Off to the grandchildren. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Blessings Thank to you, you and them. so much. Well, it's, uh, we wanted to wrap up the show a little bit and talk about our Patreons mm. and such, but man, that was a fantastic guest. That was That, awesome. was. that was really was great. Wonderful. I would love to have oh, Rebecca. I'm just going to oh say Oh, my it. gosh. You know, we've had, without going into any names, we've had <laughs> in an episode that wasn't broadcast to the general public, we've had some guests that were a little dicey. <laughs> yeah. June was not one of them. Jeez. Oh, no. Yeah. She is I... a whole well-rounded, sassy, takes no shit, raises the bar for everybody around her kind of person. And yep. I adore that. Honestly, uh, I, I was pretty damn skeptical when we we booked her, especially given the guest that shall not be named. Um, <laughs> because I'm like, oh, another psychic medium person. Oh, gods. Okay. And I'll be honest, she blew me out of the water. It wasn't just yep. the messaging, but everything that she said, you know, the, the heavy skepticism, the discernment, the care that you take to make sure that you're clean and careful and don't run into situations where, you know, like 
a lot of what she talked about was knowing your own limits and that is huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it is. Yeah. It is. And it's nice to hear, as you said in the show, it's nice to hear somebody say, wow, I was weighing over my head on this situation. Yes. yes. That is so refreshing. I, I love those comments because it humanizes um, practitioners and reminds other people that we are human too. Yes. Yeah, you know, yeah. Well, not- I mean like, okay, so this is still a strange concept to me, but I know there are people that, uh, admire us and respect us a lot for this show still i have a story for that by the way but mm-hmm. we've gotten in over our heads oh god yep. i know i yes. have there's been times oh, what the hell am i doing here and what do i do next is has happened before mm-hmm. so you know it happens to all of us and that's how you for good or for ill and that's not just psychic activity that's everything mm-hmm. this is how you gain experience life. These are how human experience points were actually work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I have to reiterate that is one of the reasons why it's so important to have a good relationship with your guides because they're um, we went up to whitefish point lighthouse um, several years ago and we got to tour the old house that was up there. And at one point, I found myself in this overwhelming sadness and depression and I was starting to walk up into the attic to the highest point of the house. And I was like, at some point I was pulled back and um, I can't, I think it was Odin stepped in and he's like, uh, what are you doing? And it wasn't me that responded. It was the spirit of the lady who had thrown herself from the window saying, oh, man. I have to do this. My husband is lost at sea or I'm so depressed and lonely up here. I can't take it anymore. And he's like, get out of my child. Right. And so I was like, I'm fucking walking up the stairs. I don't know why I'm going for the window. Let's do this. And so that's why it's super important to like, not only know your shit, but also have guides that will have your back for that. So, well, and not even just guides. Like I'm working on that spiritual accounting booklet. Finally. Yay. And, and I'm, one of I'm the excited bullet to see that in there. One of the bullet points in there at the end was due diligence. Yeah. One of the bullet points was who's your backup? Not even meaning other other uh, spirits, spirits yep. or spiritual guides or anything, but like who the hell are you going to call? Help! <laughs> There's a demon in this place. I need oh, I backup. Fucked up. Yeah, I fucked up. Help me. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Spiritual accounting isn't just for spirit guides. It's also for people that are, that have got yeah. your back. I, I think we need to make a shirt. This is human accounting too. <laughs> I think you just shit out of all the accountants. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I really appreciate that. Not only the folks that are on the show in, in June, I appreciate that folks can approach all of their screw ups with a sense of humor instead of what would have in a, a long time ago been my usual of whipping myself with, Oh, I screwed up. Oh, I screwed up. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not that you need to approach everything with a sense of detached wry amusement, but that you're going to be okay. And that it's yeah. okay to laugh at yourself. And what you are take human. from the situation. Yeah. It's, I think it, it speaks to the attitude that you approach things in. So I actually um, wanted to talk about this with June still on, but I'll, I'll bring it up here because I am working um, on that whole shadow work 
blog, which I actually remember the website now. So it is stormpaco, S-T-O-R-M-P-A-Q-O dot home dot blog. If you want to read those currently seven and possibly with no end date at this point. Um, but with every, over the last few days, my life has kind of been a whirlwind of chaos and panic and fear and all sorts of things and old rotten shadows that I thought were dead and gone. And when she was talking about having attachments, I went off on like a rabbit hole thought process. And I actually kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on this particular rabbit hole, just to make sure I'm not totally bonkers or way out in left field. Um, But is it feasible and is it possible to have certain shadows crop up because of a negative spiritual attachment and have it continue even after that attachment is gone. I think, I think it's a two way street there in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So what you're going to have is you've got certain shadows, which tend to lead to certain vulnerabilities, certain places. If you want to think of it as a chakra system, certain leakages in our chakras where you're going to get attachments. The reverse is also true where an attachment sees the opportunity to create a damage where energy will flow from. So that can happen from either side of that equation. Mm -hmm. So the, the thing about the shadow is that it's the stuff you don't bring to the surface. It's not necessarily just your traumas. Mm-hmm. so potentially anything that you even if it's very positive mm-hmm. anything you leave beneath the surface and you don't let see the light of day can be a shadow that come from a psychological perspective it can be a shadow that and it may not be negative that's the thing these can be right. positive attributes too it's just a hooded lamp kind of a thing mm-hmm. um so a spirit can if it's an attachment and it wiggles its way in there it can actually turn into a negative where perhaps you you privately enjoyed this thing, whatever it is. Like maybe you liked a certain genre of books and um, the, it can turn this pl- pleasure into a pain. Or yeah. it can yeah, turn this... Exactly, uh, exactly. The sweated lamp of where... totally latch on to a, a good thing in your life and turn it kind of Sour. foul, but you don't realize it at the time. It's like the whole, you know, like uh, what's a good example we could use? Like video games you feel yep. awesome about these video games but you know three days later when you're obsessively trying to finish a game and you've barely slept and you're thinking i just want to get through this you've lost the pleasure from it somewhere sitting off to the side that could be completely because of you 100 percent because of you it could be all within your childhood your upbringing your psychology but it could also be an attachment sitting off the side going, nom, 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 nom. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did want to bring that up because that is one of, one of the warning signs of a depressive episode is things that you took for pleasure are suddenly, Nope. Yeah. I can't even, I can't even get a spark of joy from this. Yeah, so, enjoying it. so the danger of, of, of um, casting attachments and shadow work into these places is that what could be interpreted as psychological warning signs or red flags. Some folks take shadow work to such a deep level that they do spiritual bypassing on it and ignore 
legitimate signs of psychological distress. Right. So there is a danger there. And I don't think you're, you're doing this, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. Right. Absolutely. That if you're attributing this to shadow when it's really just depression, right. Mm -hmm. There is a, Mm -hmm. there is a danger there, but it's also, that's not to say that a spirit attachment can't encourage or move things along because if you know, you've got uh, depression as something that you encounter Mm-hmm. and that's how this thing's going to eat, of course it's going to encourage an environment, just like a pathogen encourages an environment that right. is conducive to it reproducing. Right. It could just be depression. It could be, uh, or it could be an attachment, but it doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be. Bingo. And um, also, the, you know, we have to be cautious because shadow gets used in a negative context way too it often. It really does. And yes. As every spiritual path, I think if you really look, encourages a point of balance. I think that's really what, because you could have, a shadow is just something that you don't like looking at, or it's uncomfortable, or it's a ramification of you going towards something powerful. I mean, let's, let's, let's break down shadow itself. Shadow is the thing that's behind you when you're heading towards the light. Right. The brighter the light, the deeper the shadow, which means that it's not necessarily bad that a shadow is there. It's like karma. It is a ramification of your actions. And sometimes those are very uncomfortable to look at. And sometimes they're very hard to see because they might literally be under your feet, depending on the position of the sun. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily make them bad. It makes them difficult to look at. So let me expand. And I have enjoyed this thoroughly. And I'm sure not only myself, but others out there needed to hear all that. But let me expand a little bit more on my thought process behind that. So starting from probably 14 or 15 years old, um, I had a group of friends and we liked to find abandoned places buildings, houses, farms, warehouses, whatever. And we would go explore. And there was one particular house that we went to that we, on the first visit, didn't even get out of the car. We just backed the car up into the driveway and we're just kind of sitting there looking around. And all of a sudden the whole car lurched forward like somebody had pushed it from behind, basically telling us to get the fuck out. So we left And on our way home, at some point, we hit a dip and I was sitting right behind the driver and both the driver and myself, like he shivered and then I shivered seconds after him and he saw it and he's like, did you feel that too? And I was like, yeah, we just went through a cold spot. And from that time, I started having a reoccurring nightmare of being chased by this black figure out in, well, I was outside of the farmhouse, but I would always run into the farmhouse. And this happened for years. And it was it eventually turned into a night terror. And from that point, I can actually look back and see that I became more and more aggressive and more and more angry towards not only myself, but the people around me in the world. And when I started on this path, And I think it was right before, right when I started working with you, Jim, um, 
right in that area, I had that, that nightmare came back because at some point it stopped, but I never stopped being angry. And so that nightmare came back and finally something told me to stop and turn around and face it. And it like tackled me out of the upstairs window. And when we hit the ground, I woke up and it was standing at the edge of my bed and I just screamed as loud as I could and told it, I literally said, get the fuck out of my house as loudly and as forcefully as I could. And it was from and then I woke up right after it and it was gone. So it was like the inception dream, like a dream inside of a dream mm-hmm. sort of. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, I started recognizing my anger and seeing it actually healing that and realizing that that anger is still there, but it's less of a rolling boil and more of a simmer that has the potential to boil over is kind of what I'm talking about. Attachments creating or influencing a specific shadow within a person so let me try teaching it or talking about it this way let's take it out of the realm of emotions and mental states altogether Mm -hmm. and that way we can look at it in a more concrete way Um, attachments also can affect us physically yep they can make us feel tired they can make us feel exhausted right Mm -hmm. so if i'm feeling tired and exhausted it could be an attachment. It could also be that I didn't sleep well the night before, that I'm not eating properly. It could be that the attachment, in order to make me feel that way, because that's what it's feeding off of, encourages me to eat unhealthily. Or it could be a shadow issue where I'm depressed because it's this time of year and this time of year is when something bad happened to me a long time ago that I've almost forgot about. So I'm eating a lot of comfort foods that aren't actually giving me any nutrition. So it's a web that could be some or all of those parts. And that's where it becomes especially hard when we're talking about emotions Mm-hmm. or memories or or that sort of thing because on a, a physical level i can give you concrete examples i was tired on tuesday oh monday i did a lot of work at work yada yada i can i can map that out really easily where with psychic or mental or emotional things it's very hard to find those concrete and substantial points which is why a lot of people get very confused on what's an attachment, what's a shadow, what's a mental issue, what's Mm -hmm. something that I need to see a therapist about. So that means that diligence then becomes extra, extra, extra important. Skepticism becomes extra, extra, extra important. Getting outside readings becomes important because just like with the physical, when you're dealing with those emotional ramifications, it's a web. It's, it could be one, two, some, all or none of those Mm -hmm. things. Yep. All right. Thank you for checking me on that. It was a it was an interesting mind wormhole that I went down, and I, I yeah. wanted to be checked on it. Right. And I, you know, I I have to be honest, and I think this is probably um, a side effect of me spending time on TikTok. I'm actually becoming a little jaded about the term shadow work. Ditto. Because people want everything to be a shadow they're confronting. And it's not. It's, it's not, just yeah. an issue. You yeah. know, it is not if my car's transmission blows, 
it's not the car's fucking shadow telling you about a deep down emotional issue that it <laughs> needed to work on. It's the fucking transmission that went out. Yeah. It- and so I'm getting a little jaded and cynical about that term, especially considering shadow work itself as a concept comes from Freudian and Jungian psychology, which is so outdated now. Yeah. So it's good to, it, it can be helpful as one of those suitcase can't handle things, but at the same point in time, it can become one of those, if all I've got is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Yep. I, I agree. It's, it's not just TikTok that's gotten me to this point. It's just the pagan community in general, mm-hmm. because, you know, it has this really nasty habit of co-opting psychology terms and then using them for spirit terms. Right. And Psychic. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, and it's not healthy for the community. community is fantastic. Co-opting every term. Let's be honest. But it's not healthy for the community. We need, like right. we're talking about discernment. We need to be discerning about the words we use. So is this, is this, is this shadow work or is this you confronting an issue is actually a pretty big ball that you need to, to handle. And I'm not talking like to you on this, Caitlin. I'm saying, yeah, no, no, yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. But in general, the metaphysical communities really need to get their hands wrapped around this and actually figure out: Are we talking about shadow work? Are we talking about spirit work? Are we talking about something you need to talk with a therapist about? Do you need a priest on this? Well, Do you need a reader? Like, and, and you just need it to talk getting used, to somebody about it. It starts getting used as an excuse too, because exactly. no, yep. guess what? Maybe. Sally isn't doing shadow work. Maybe she's abusive, narcissistic, gaslighting asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't need to stick around for that shit. Um, yeah, or they're leaning heavily on, well, I'm a Scorpio, so I'm fiery and oh, have a Jesus. shitty attitude. Like, go fuck yourself. I'm a Scorpio and I'm a fucking delight. <laughs> so oh, that's true victoria's question in the chat how do we figure out if it's shadow work versus something else so i'm going to take the approach of assuming it's shadow work to a point mm-hmm. if it's something that persists or seems like it has a lot more depth to it then in my mind it becomes a therapy issue mm-hmm. yeah so like my, it's okay to use shadow as a frame of reference for these things that I'm really uncomfortable looking at, but if they are really affecting the hell out of my life, I better go see a counselor. Yep. Yeah. My, my take on it is if you think or feel that you have the mental capacity of unpacking it yourself, grab a pen and piece of paper and start writing that shit down and document everything that you think is connected to that quote unquote shadow. Um, and if you cannot unravel it, ask somebody who is a professional. Or on the Don't flip side, if you're over, if you, if you're devoting, it. if you're devoting an immense amount of time to piecing apart where the shadow comes from, that is also easy to fall into a trap on that too. Yeah. Always calling your shitty attitude shadow work. You know, sometimes right. a shitty attitude is just a shitty attitude. Yeah. Um, so, so like um 
Is what it was the next question? Is there a definite divide between shadow work versus what you need help with? So, ask us if, do you mind if I hop on this one? Because yeah, this no, this perfect. is this is your yeah. this is really in your ballpark. This so. is a psychology term in right. its origin and how we should be, in my view, how we should be using it. The and granted, it's become a suitcase handle at this point, which produces its own problems. But its origins is in the vast unconscious. So the Jungian term, and I'm, I'm happy this was brought up because now I'm going to go look at my, oh, God damn it, I shut them down. Um, <laughs> here we go. So the Society of, uh, of uh, Analytic Psychology, um, in Jung's model of psyche, there are various personified structures that interact with one another in the inner world. Two of these, the persona and the anima animus are relational. That is the persona. This is who you are outside. The anima or animus is who you are on the inside. The persona relates to the external world, the anima animus to the internal. The ego, which is body-based and can be understood as the executive, that is the decision maker, stands alongside the shadow. And these two are to do with our identity. The Jung had a deep interest in the shadow and in its form and content and in the process of assimilating, quote, the thing a person has no wish to be, end quote. He saw quite clearly that failure to recognize, acknowledge, and deal with shadow elements is often the root of problems between individuals and within groups and organizations. And it's also what feels prejudice between minority groups or countries and can spark off anything from interpersonal rows to a major war. Um, the general index to his collected works contains over two pages of references to the shadow. Long story short, the... Uh, the shadow is that which, and quoting again, Jung, that is, which is the shadow is that hidden repressed for the most part, inferior and guilt laden personality whose ultimate ramifications reach back into the realm of our animal ancestors. If it has been believed hitherto that the human shadow work was a source of evil, this human shadow, excuse me, was a source of evil. It can now be ascertained on closer investigation that the unconscious man that is his shadow does not consist only of morally reprehensible tendencies, but also displays a number of good qualities such as normal instincts, appropriate reactions, realistic insights, creative impulses, etc. Long story short, this is the flip side of your outward identity. It is so when people are like, "Well, I'm going to do shadow work," what they're engaging in is bringing the latent shadow into your personality. It is integrating that which is beneath the surface into that which is above the surface. Like I mentioned earlier, there can be positive qualities in the shadow. That's where this comes from, and and it relates to Freudian psychology in that, generally speaking, the id is collapsed into the shadow. And when Jung took this concept up, he just said everything that's unconscious is in the shadow, mm-hmm. good right. and 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 evil, yeah. right and wrong. It's all in the back seat. And what you're forward facing, that's your personality. And your shadow is everything that's unconscious. And so, yes, shadow work is integrating your unconscious reactions into a conscious framework. What it's not is getting rid of shit that you don't yeah. like. Right. No. Right. What it's not... Right. Yeah. is, you is resolving you're not resolving well, and, anything yeah it is and and even from the earlier part of metaphysical books and authors like starhawk for example it wasn't ever to be something that you got rid of it yeah. was understanding that it was there and finding a balance with it a peace with it of understanding that that this is going on in me beneath the surface. And so the real, to me, if there's a definite 
parameter for when we need to see a therapist versus shadow work. Understanding that there's a process that goes on in me that is subconscious that occasionally bubbles up is okay. I can be at peace with that. Does it affect my life and my relationships? That's when I got to do something about it. Right. Yeah. Me, that's how I would define it. Well, yeah. The, the way I view working with shadow um, and I, I use those terms because those are the ones that are most widely used throughout the, the spiritual thing. But when you actually get into like my blog posts, it's talk about, I'm talking about learning how to become aware of those things that you are unaware of. Like I'm, I'm trying to teach people how to be conscious of your unconscious reactions, you right. know, so that way you can stop them in the moment and be like, is this how I want to treat the situation? Yes. And that is, yeah. that is legit shadow work because mm-hmm. you are making the unconscious conscious. Right. You're, you're, you're becoming, using it in a correct way. You're being, you're becoming aware of your behavioral triggers in certain situations. This, you know, like I was talking about earlier about reacting, um, being very angry. I would react like a trapped animal and mm-hmm. I had to become aware of that. And I still have that instinct sometimes in certain situations of, I'm going to fucking tear your eyeballs out because I'm super pissed off right now. Um, But I have that moment of, oh, wait, I'm really mad. I need to take a fucking deep breath and look at the situation for what it is and realize the person I'm talking to is a person and they don't deserve to be treated like they're an asshole, even though they're being an asshole. And there's a big difference between responding to an acute situation and responding to a long-term concern. Jim kept giving excellent examples of that. You know, if this is something that is perpetually dogging you, yeah, seek help. Whether it's therapy, counseling, you know, talk to your doctor, etc. And if it's an acute situation, like I'm in the middle of, you know, hyperventilating, panic attack, things like that, that is also something where knowing who to call is a big deal. And this is where discernment is a big deal because, you uh, when, especially when you're talking about shadow work, you can touch some really raw nerves. Mm-hmm. And this is why you need, before you begin integrating shadow pieces willy nilly, you really need to make sure that there are people that for one, you know, you can talk to for two that are going to check you on shit because yeah. this and can it, be something that can hit a lot of triggers right. if you're not careful. And if you go to a spiritual specialist and they tell you, you need to go to a therapist, go to a fucking therapist. Because it's not that we cannot handle it. I'm just going to take a shortcut. I'm I'm just going to take a shortcut. Let's make this process a lot. Go to a therapist. Yeah. If you're hearing my voice and you're doing spiritual work, go to a fucking therapist. There. Ah, so we're done? (laughs) (laughs) Well done. I didn't expect this to go down that rabbit hole. I'm sorry, you guys. No, don't be. I mean, it's actually something that Israel Regardi of the Golden Dawn advised for everybody who wanted to be a Golden Dawn member. Uh, You take at least two years and go go do therapy. Because the stuff that you do in magic can bring stuff up. And maybe it's magic uh, that's bringing up shadow work, or maybe it's shadow work that is engaging with your magic. And maybe it's both. Gaia sorcery on uh, TikTok has brought up the point before, and he is such an excellent creator, but he's brought up the point that, and uh, that, that magic and spiritual work is attempting to break reality. So yeah, you're going to have a trouble (laughs) dealing with reality. You're probably going to need help and therapy and all kinds of other things. So you're going to even the, even the anger thing is interesting because if, if we're talking about shadow work is integrating the subconscious into the conscious, 
it's okay to realize, uh, so, so we'll use your anger as an issue. It'd be perfectly fine to say, I'm angry and I'm uncomfortable looking at it. Thus, it's a shadow. But there are times when I need to use that anger. So that's when I integrate it. When I say, you know what? Now it's time to hulk the fuck out and beat the shit out of some yeah, things and in life. Actually, right? but you're I, uncomfortable. You're still uncomfortable with that. Oh yeah. Right. But you, oh yeah. But that that's part of the shadow work is integrating that energy of anger yeah. to get your ass moving. And I actually talk about in part. I talk about that in part seven with the whole touch the butt thing because I make a reference to finding Nemo and I, I laughed at myself <laughs> when I wrote that and I was like, but it's a great metaphor. Oh my god. Right. Um, but it's essentially either matching the energy of the shadow or situation with the same amount of energy or the complete opposite of that energy. You know, if right. the situation is really heightened and people are freaking out, you need to calm it down so you can have a clear thought process of how to deal with what's going on. Or if you are, if somebody is really angry and unable, like, for example, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was having a conversation with my boss about my bank in Belleville. I drive to that bank once a week. I know it very well. They do not have a drive through and they kept arguing with me. And so I became louder and more assertive than what she was being in order to get her to fucking pause and listen to what I was saying. <laughs> so I had to match and actually overcome her assertiveness with me with my own level of assertiveness and be like no mm -hmm. i'm right you're wrong i'll bet you a thousand fucking dollars let's go right now i'll drive and then she took pause well, and was like oh wait what bank are you talking about right so sometimes you well, do and have the other to thing match is like, that energy you know, to bring it down as i was talking about how the shadow it's a matter of finding balance um because i don't want my shadow to go away Mm -mm. I don't think it's possible as a human being to totally integrate my subconscious ever. And even if I could, I don't want to. Can you imagine how tedious it would be to sit around all day, every day thinking right atrium, left atrium, right ventricle. Left no. I mean, like to actually <laughs> yeah. have that yeah. kind of level of your subconscious where you have to like remember to keep your heart beating would be so fucking tedious. I'm perfectly happy having things going on in the subconscious. That's yep. okay with me. Yep. Yeah. And honestly, there's some things that don't need to be surfaced. You know, right. some things are better left buried. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, especially so. if they can have really negative ramifications. So I'm actually glad we had this conversation because, yeah, that's been kind of bugging me a little bit lately because it's just all the rage again. And I hate mm -hmm. a lot of the trends that tend to crop up in metaphysics where it's just like, you know, we had a term that at one point in time could have been fairly useful, like energy work. But all of a sudden now it is so overused that it's <sighs> virtually worthless. Yeah. What do you mean by energy work? I mean, I can, I can whip out a lighter and do energy work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And shadow work has definitely fallen into that realm where it's become yeah pointless almost as a term because everybody's using it in so many different ways you know caitlin i'm not criticizing your blog because you're very specific in what you're talking about and people can reference that so i appreciate that but i mean a lot of times when you're having conversations online or you're yeah. watching someone's video on instagram or something it's it's just like i don't know what the fuck you're talking about how are you using the term yeah, like that doesn't make any sense at all. That's actually yeah, exactly. this other thing that should not be dubbed under shadow work. You're fucking stupid. Right. 
exactly. this is where I think discerning the words we use is a really important thing. And it's also why I'm encouraging folks within pagan communities to use their own lexicon because like heathens have a ton of words for magic and spiritual practice. It's just that only recently have they become more widely available because academia is finally sharing more information with the general public, which is great, you know, but are we talking about a Taufer that is a charm or are we talking about chanting, you know, or are we talking about, you know, are you doing rune work or are you galdering? Are you, you know, so the, the, the importance of words becomes even more important. The more that we get these terms that get, uh, watered down or overused in ways that they weren't ever met. It's one thing to be a suitcase handle, but it's another thing to try to put a suitcase handle on a rock and call it a suitcase. Right. right. Well, and, and like Caitlin, that's a great example because if Caitlin and I were having this conversation and we were using terms from Peruvian shamanism, like uh, Sami, Hucha, Yanatin, Mazatin, all these other terms that have similar uses in a metaphysical sense but are very specifically different than just these broad general terms that we're using in english would be a completely different conversation yep yeah yeah Uh, because it's a totally different view on the subject itself you know Mm -hmm. and even if we're talking about it in the yogic tradition you know um i was i mentioned it briefly on the most recent blog post um, but they have an entire system called the gunas and you have tapas and rajas and then you have svatas and svatas is not the balance between tapas and rajas it's actually elevating yourself above those but still being centered in the middle like it's it's a very complicated system that they actually utilize to create positrons neutrons and electrons because a bunch of physicists were on a train together and they were all reading the Gita. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's a very fascinating story that I totally butchered. So sorry about that. <laughs> but it makes it makes sense though, because like the danger of using hyper specialized language is that nobody can understand you. Right. The danger of using generic language is that it's soup. It is, and it gets mixed <laughs> in with all the the jargon and bullshit that's out there, and people are like, "Well, what the fuck is shadow work?" Like this. This or stuff, worse, they go, it's all bullshit. About, yeah, the storm person yeah. over here is talking about totally different shit than this lady on fucking TikTok is talking about. What is what is it? Well, like, Who it's, do I trust? Who do I talk to? Well, like when I use the term Sather, which is itself a, a gigantic umbrella of magic, but yeah, when, I'm, really when I'm using the term and I don't use a word like Fukingi or uh, or or some of these other specialized terms for magic enchantment and that kind of thing um i can contribute to the balkanization of language because if i'm saying what i could just say say magic instead of sather in a conversation between communities you know if i'm intentionally overcomplicating shit i i'm adding to the problem but if i'm also not being clear in, in my in my use of these terms i'm also contributing to the problem right because if if every time i muddy the language waters it makes it that much harder to communicate and i'm not taking this from a a prescriptivist angle so much as i am from a descriptivist that is i am describing the words we use and they need to be actually useful to the task at hand or they become meaningless um and i don't mean that in terms of the word must always essentially mean this thing 
because Sather's always going to mean some kind of magic, no matter who the fuck's using it. But the way that I use these other words, like Galder, specifically the way that I work with the term Galder, I'm talking about spoken rune magic or some kind of special chanting that involves the runes or singing that involves the runes. You know that when I use the word Galder, it has something to do with rune work. And I'm happy to say that I actually have at least one academic in the field that backs me up on this. And I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. Thank you, uh, Dr. Price. (laughs) Caitlin, you saw that smile on my face. Sarah, what was that word that you used? Fokingi? What was that? Fokingi. Fokingi. See, you say that, and I know it's something serious, but my brain only wants to supply Super Mario swearing. Fokingi! See, I heard fuck Ingi, and I was like, oh, God. no, don't say that. Sorry, we're no. a bunch of assholes. <laughs> no, that ain't it. Oh, oh my God. I think we are dangerously close to creating two episodes out of one. So <laughs> yes, how yes, about you we are hug our pluggables and mm. I think get back onto the rest of our night? <laughs> All right, well, Caitlin, you go first then. Yep. All right. Well, I already plugged it earlier, but I'll do it again because uh, from the three pagans on tap, which I was on on Tuesday. So if you guys want to hear a drunk storm, Paco, go over there and listen because it was a very it was a good time. It was a great episode, and we actually had a, a master brewster on there who was not spiritual at all, and I felt so bad for him. Um, leave it to Car to throw him kind of under the bus on a drunken divination <laughs> episode. So yeah, good on you, Car. Um, but uh, my blog, again, is stormpaco, S-T-O-R-M-P-A-Q-O, dot home, dot blog. Um, and I'm, I'm working on the next one, but this one is uh, interesting to unpack. Um, the one that's coming up is going to be how to know when you're healing and what to look for. So that one should be fun. Nice. Very cool. Other than that, I'm on Discord, and that's it. Okay, so I guess it's my turn now. Yeah, go for it. All right, so just to correct myself, it's Fioc, not folk. Big difference. There's a Um. (laughs) Y. Well, it's the difference between people versus sorcery. Um, Oh, well, yeah, as you do. Fuck y'all. No, I'm kidding. Fuck (laughs) y'all. Yuck. Yoke you. Um, <laughs> so if you want to uh, find my content, uh, tedious and not, uh, sarth.wordpress.com is my blog. You can find me on Patreon, uh, patreon.com backslash Sarenth Odinson, S-A-R-E-N-T-H-O-D-I-N-S-S-O-N. I was recently on uh, Wider Circles with Jack Mercer. So folks, look that up. It's on Wider Circles. You can find it on Spotify. I am also part of Three Pagans and a Cat with Car of Three Pagans. Or, sorry, I am part of Three Pagans on Tap. There it is. That is with Malik Odinson and Car of Three Pagans and a Cat. Uh, obviously, also part of Our Own Grandfather Fire. You can also find um, other things that I'm working on here on Discord. Uh, 
Sarinth is my name on that. Uh, TikTok is where you can also find me. I'm doing a bunch of different series. Uh, just got tagged from Malik and Cat the Heathen to do a bunch of new videos. So I will probably at some point tonight be recording yet more. So hit me up on TikTok if you want content there. Jim? And you can find me. Uh, Jim2snakes.net will take you to my page page where I have guys that are for the public and some that are private. It's where you can sign up for my spiritual mentoring. And also I recently added a tier for students where I'm teaching my specific uh, way of teaching Peruvian shamanism, that one you have to get pre-approved for. So contact me if you are interested. I'm working on lessons for that as we go. And I just out of curiosity looked, and if you want to find me anywhere else, if you Google Jim Two Snakes, the first three full pages of results are all me. Yay! So, Easily findable. Look at that. So, if you want to find me, you can find me. I'm easy. Yeah. Yeah, you are. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, we always keep each other humble. Because if we're not throwing each other in front of buses, (laughs) we're driving over each other with the car. Or if we're not doing it, our guest is. So, (laughs) right? No doubt. Yeah, uh, and also I am I'm the resident 15 year old boy. If you get the the videos of any of these and you see me randomly laugh, it's because a stupid innuendo ran through my brain, and I I can't help it. I'm sorry. That's legit. <laughs> well, right. everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to our, our wonderful interview with June, and also with our our ranting, rambling about <laughs> shadow work. And we thank you so much for joining you. If you're in the United States, we hope that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, that all your families stay safe and healthy. And um, to all our indigenous friends and allies, we will solemnly remember you, think of you, and reach out to you on that day because we, we love you very much. And with that, thank you, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time around the fire.